Thank you for listening to the Soul City Church podcast. Be sure to follow us on our Facebook and Instagram at Soul City Church. For more information, visit us on our website, soulcitychurch.com. Well, good morning. It is so good to see you. Welcome to Soul City Church. For those of you that I don't know, my name is Jeannie Stevens, and I am thrilled that you are here either in this room or joining us online or maybe even listening to this podcast later. I wanted to start out uh, a little different today and do something that we have actually never done here before. I'd like to start out by taking attendance, okay? Uh, taking attendance, it's Teacher Appreciation Week, you know, throw some love to the teachers. I mean, you all, you all got ready, you showed up, you deserve to be counted. So it's this simple, when I call your name, you can just say present, okay? So got my clipboard here. All right, you ready? Okay. Alyssa Wolf. Oh, Alyssa, where are you? Hi, Alyssa. Welcome. Glad you're here. Okay, I'm going to just, just going to mark. Yep, check. All right. Sergio Gomez. Oh, hi, Sergio. Yes. Good to see you. I didn't hear you. Present? Present. Thank you. Okay. Heidi Weiss. Heidi. Hi, Heidi. How are you? Glad you're here. Thanks for coming today. Stephen Goals. Oh, Stephen, yes, all the way in the back. I, um, I've been meaning to talk to you. I, I noticed you were a little late today. Um, <laughs> and, and the last couple Sundays. So we, we can talk afterwards, okay? But you're here. You're present. Okay. Can you imagine if we actually did that? <laughs> it would be the last Sunday that you ever came to church. You know what's so funny, though, is that I've actually had lots of people over the years stop me in the halls and say, oh, I I just wanted to let you know I haven't been here in a while, and I wanted to let you know why. And then they, you know, will say, like, you know, the dog ate their Bible or, you know, something like that. And I always say the same thing. You are in luck because, thankfully, we do not take attendance, and we never will. (laughs) But isn't it interesting Isn't it interesting, whenever attendance is being taken, we either say here or present, right? We acknowledge our bodies are in the room, but oftentimes it's the only part of us that is in fact present. Every middle school and high school teacher knows exactly what I'm talking about, right? And when this happens, when it comes to being present, most of us have learned how to be here, but not really here. And yet there are very real parts of us that when we are here, we struggle when we can't be somewhere else. There's some debate, actually, on on where the term FOMO originated, FOMO, you you know what FOMO means, right? The fear of missing out. It it was first actually introduced by Patrick J. McGinnis back in 2004 in a Harvard Business Magazine article where he wrote about a research project that he did on what happens to people when they experience FOMO. 
And, and then obviously in the coming years, it was widely popularized on social media. And FOMO is the belief that there is a there that is better than your here, right? There's a there that's better than your here. There is somewhere that other people are at that is better than the present place you are at. Now, in Chicago, we experience this from January, (laughs) but we're still experiencing it. We're still experiencing it, right? In fact, the rest of the world, they, they watch us from January till now, and they have JOMO, which is the joy of missing out. And whether it's FOMO or JOMO, when we aren't present all the way here, we're usually rehashing the past or we're rehearsing the future. And rehashing the past is just trying to change something that has already happened. And rehearsing the future is trying to control something that hasn't yet happened. But receiving the present, it is choosing to experience what is occurring here and now. And the here and now is always where God is. The here and now is always where God is. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13, 8. God was in your past and God will be in your future. But the only place to experience the presence of God is in the now. That's because If it's not happening now, it's not happening. If it's not happening now, it's not happening. And if we are not in the now, then it is critical we figure out, where are we? Where are we? You see, last week I mentioned finding yourself kind of like when you go to a a big directory and and you're in the mall or you're at the airport and and you know that little red pin, right? And you're trying to figure out how to get to the closest Starbucks when you need your caffeine desperately, right? You know that little pin that says, you are here, I am here. When we don't know where we are, It's hard to figure out how to get to where we want to go. And we talked about all the places we go when we're rehashing the past, but the past is not the only place that plucks us out of the present. And to know me is to know that I came out of the womb as an ideator and a visionary. I love thinking about the future. I love thinking about five minutes from now. I love thinking about five weeks from now, five months from now, five years from now. And here's the thing. Future Jeannie, she's awesome. (laughs) I mean, guys, she's unbelievable, okay? But guess what? Present Jeannie had to face some things about herself a few years ago because she was only all about future genie. She she was avoiding present genie. 
And it was a way to not have to face some of the things God lovingly invited me to face. And we can never participate in the transformation that God wants to do in our lives. We can never participate in the things that we long to see changed if we can't accept where we are. And when it, when it came to where I was, I was actually often just hanging out in the future as future genie. And I want to show you some of the ways that we rehearse the future. And there are some well-worn paths that many of us have learned to travel, the first of which is a quite popular trail, and that is the path of worry. Worry. When we are rehearsing the future, worry is essentially living in a not-yet that's worse than your now. That's simply what worry is. It is living in a not yet that is worse than your now. Worry is like this unexpected windstorm of fear just carving a path through your mind, knocking down every other thought you have. And the language of worry, it has a dialect that is easy to detect by anyone that is fluent in speaking. It, it sounds a little bit like, I don't know what to do. I, I, I just, I, I can't stop thinking about that thing. What if this happens? And worry has this way of just sweeping away today's happiness by rehearsing tomorrow's headaches. And worry is actually a fictional construct that fights your factual reality. And when we're run down, when we're overwhelmed, it is rarely our hard work that, that causes our frustration and our resentment. It's usually our worry. And, and Jesus was abundantly clear about the role of worry in our lives. In fact, I, I want to look at this passage for just a moment, and I want you to notice how often Jesus says the word worry in this passage. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying at a single hour to your life. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I mean, it, it would be easy to think, after listening to Jesus say something like that, that he's just some kind of like Bob Marley super fan, right? 
He's just walking around like every little thing is going to be all right, right? And you can just see his music video, can't you? There's like birds just floating up above a big field of flowers, right? I actually believe Jesus calls out the birds and the flowers because birds live higher and flowers live lower. They rise above and below the circumstances in life. They know where they're supposed to be at every given moment. They don't look around and wonder if there is someplace else or something else that they should be doing. There has never been a bird or a flower that had FOMO. They're present. They're surrendered to what is instead of worrying about all of the what ifs. I'll never forget uh, many years ago, a, a spiritual director came into my life in a particularly challenging season. And I remember she invited me over to her home and I was just kind of buried in so much of my worry about some things that were happening and some things that I was kind of rehearsing about the future. And I wanted to kind of dig through the haystack with her to try to get to the bottom and and resolve my situation. And I, I will never forget, she invited me in and we sat down in her living room and she lit a candle and she said, let's just sit and be still in God's presence. And we sat and we sat. I kind of like peeked my eye open to see if her eyes were still closed and if we were still just sitting. And we sat, and she didn't say a word. And after a while, just sitting in that silence, in that slowness, in the solitude of just God and her and myself, tears just started streaming down my face. And what felt like an eternity She then prayed the Lord's Prayer. We both opened our eyes. And she said, what do you think your tears are trying to say? And I just said, I just keep giving myself away to everyone else. And I'm so worried that there's nothing left of me. And I'll never forget, she said, well, Jeannie, the only way that worry leaves is when we practice slowness, solitude, and silence. She got up, I got up, and it was over. I went home. You know, I still, when I'm practicing presence, still light a candle to this day to try to slow myself down to experience the power of just being in God's presence with silence and slowness and I know right now some of you 
you are even feeling that feeling. You're, you're hearing the Holy Spirit whispering to you about this very thing because worry feels like it has just taken up residence in your mind. And, and let me tell you, worry is a terrible tenant. It pays its rent in lies. That's what worry does. And in the most loving way to come back into the present moment, we have to be willing to serve worry and eviction notice and start practicing slowness and solitude and silence in our lives. And, and worry, it's such a commonplace that we all experience being plucked from the present moment, um, that causes us to rehearse the future. But worry is, it's not the only thing that pulls us out. I've found that denial is another one. Denial is another one that pulls us from the present moment. And denial is just simply a defense mechanism to delay pain and avoid transformation. Listen, we, we all have things in our life, right, that, that we want to put off, like going to the dentist or the DMV, Come on, if you're going to say amen to anything this morning, no one likes to go to the dentist or the DMV. There are just things in this life that we don't like dealing with, right? And it's part of the human experience, but it's the things that we deny over and over again that keep us from experiencing the gift of God, the gift of presence with God. And denial is often like the elephant in the room. It's the thing we need to pay attention to, but the longer we ignore it, the harder it becomes to live with. That's because denial just delays what we fear will define us. When we, when we deny what's really going on in our relationships or in our work or in our bodies, hearts, or minds, we essentially just start dismissing all the evidence of something, right? And an unhealthy pattern has a root story. And when we choose to ignore or deny patterns that are keeping us from the present, we dismiss the evidence that we're not here. There's this old hymn, uh, and there's a line in it, and, and in the hymn it says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. We're prone to wander, aren't we? To wander, to dismiss all the evidence that is pointing to the reality that we are not here. And when we dismiss the evidence, we essentially just escape our emotions, me, I'm not feeling sad. Me, I'm not feeling angry. Me, I'm not feeling afraid. We just dismiss them away and we escape our emotions and we neglect the body's signals. We neglect that the body is sending signals to us. No big deal, I've had a headache for five days. Oh, I don't, I don't think that means anything. I'm just gonna take some Advil and keep going. And when we do those things, we agree, we say yes to the limiting beliefs that we have begun to believe about ourselves. We continue to agree with whatever limiting beliefs we have about ourselves. I remember early on when we were first starting Soul City, and I remember feeling this tension and, and this limiting belief regularly kind of you know, floating around in my mind. And the belief was this. The belief was that as a pastor, I always needed to have a good answer. I always needed to have a, a good answer as to 
why people were experiencing what they were experiencing. I believed that, that people didn't want a, pans, a pastor that would say, I don't know. I'm not sure. There are some mysteries in this whole thing called faith. But that people wanted confidence more than they wanted curiosity. So I would often just agree with my limiting belief and I would push down my curiosity for a false confidence. And that's what happens when we deny. And when we start practicing being here, the opposite becomes true. We actually hold the evidence instead of deny the evidence. We start asking, okay, what's here, what's here now? We don't dismiss the evidence away. We instead welcome it and we learn to hold it in a healthy way. What might this be trying to say about what's going on inside of me? Instead of pushing down our emotions, we learn to express them in a healthy way. And not just that, we also begin to listen and receive our body's message. I deliberately noticed Wow, your body is regularly sending you signals. You are tired. Very tired. And I started to just pay attention to the things that my body was craving, like sleep and water and less screens. And instead of ignoring all the limiting beliefs, I started editing them. I started shifting them. I started to remove some of the stories and the projections that I had allowed to become beliefs and I began editing them. And instead of I need to have all the answers, I got really comfortable with the fact that I don't have all the answers. A life of faith is just that. It's believing in what we cannot see. So I choose to be a curious pastor that invites others into the mysteries connected to following Jesus. And I was practicing being here and I started to believe more wholeheartedly in what Jesus said when he said, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? When we deny, we forfeit our soul. And it became more important for me to live here in the present moment than to forfeit my soul for a life that I actually didn't want. I love what Brene Brown says about denial. She says, when we deny our stories, they define us. And when we own our stories, we get to write a brave new ending. Isn't that amazing? We get to write a brave new ending with God. And when we deny those stories, we forfeit our souls. And when we own what God is doing in the here and now, we experience life and life to the full. We experience it the way that Jesus offered. And, and, and it's not just worry. It's not just denial. But there are some other ways that we rehearse the future. And one of those is through pretending. Pretending to be here, but not really here. And, and what it does is it causes this disconnection in our lives because pretending is just simply camouflaging your authentic self, causing you to seek approval, control, and security from something other than God. That's all pretending is. 
And and over the years, I've read countless books on what people most desire in their relationships, and vulnerability always shows up in the top five things that people want in a relationship. I bet you want vulnerability in your relationships, don't you? All of us do. And yet so many of us, we're so scared to offer it. Or, or maybe you've been vulnerable only to have it blow up in a relationship. So you've decided to just keep yourself safe and hiding and camouflaging and pretending kind of keeps us from the moment every time we do it. And many of us, we've learned how to seek the thing we most desire from some other place. That thing that we desire, acceptance. But we travel there through a backwards path. It kind of looks a little bit like this. We, we start with actually achievement. Uh, uh, we go looking through it through what we do, right? We seek achievement, and that achievement, it, when it works, it makes, us, it makes us feel significant. And so when we experience that significance, we want that significance to never go away. And so what we do is we look to have that significance sustained. We want to sustain that strength and that feeling of significance, thinking that that will offer us acceptance. But that's the cycle of works, friends. And that's what Jesus came to destroy He said, it doesn't start out by something that you do. It actually starts out by the fact that I love you and I accept you as you are. That we start from acceptance and that acceptance gives us sustaining strength. And then when we experience that sustaining strength, then we actually get to experience significance in the right things and we live from a place of purpose and then we experience the joy of living out the achievement that God has invited us into. A life of pretending, what it does is it looks for anyone other than God to validate you. And pretending forgets that that God is love. And real love doesn't need you to pretend. That there is a difference when we choose to live present instead of choosing to pretend. You see, in the present We get to live in the light. I love how Paul says it. He says, you groped your way through that murk once, but no longer. You're out in the open now. The bright light of Christ makes your way plain. So no more stumbling around. Get on with it. The good, the right, the true. These are the actions appropriate for daylight hours. Figure out what you will please Christ with and then do it. Friends, we're made for daylight hours. And when we pretend to be walking in the light, we're still just stumbling around in the dark. So it's not just worry. It's not just denial. It's not just pretending. Another place that we rehearse the future is whenever we live with any kind of unhealthy obligation in our lives. An obligation is simply... Believing that you don't have choices. That's what obligation is. You just, you don't have choices. Basically it says, yes to should. I I should do this. I shouldn't do that. I I should do this with this person. I should call this person. I, I should go to this thing. You know what should feels like, right? 
I remember early on uh, when Jarrett and I were first married uh, and we were invited over to uh, some friends for dinner. And, and I said to the host, well, what can I bring? Uh, and they responded by saying, oh, I don't know. I know you're in a really full season. Don't bring anything. If you want to pick up a bottle of wine, that's fine. But, but just bring yourself. But there was something in me There was something in me that refused to just bring myself. I had to bring a perfectly curated, homemade, Pinterest-worthy appetizer (laughs) that I did not have the energy to make. And I remember just like hustling in that season. Hustling to try to to pull this thing off, to to try to present myself and and this appetizer as as something really awesome and special and and, and that it would, I don't know, give me something. I don't know what it was going to give me. But I remember sitting at dinner that night and I remember wondering... What held me back from just bringing myself? Like, what is it in me that was letting obligation run my life? What was it in me that was just letting should drive everything? And and we left the meal and it was lovely and I remember getting in the car and I remember Jarrett looking at me and, and he said, you were, you were really quiet. You didn't seem like yourself tonight. Is something going on? And I instantly, I instantly burst into like hot, steamy tears and I said, why can't I just bring a bottle of wine? Why do I always have to do more and be more and give more? And I was exhausted from living under the weight of letting obligated shoulds drive my life. Should says yes, even when yes is not best. And obligation always follows the same pattern. Obligation moves to resentment and resentment moves to entitlement and entitlement moves to escape. Obligation always leads to some form of resentment. When you find yourself saying, I didn't want to do this, but I felt like I had to, that's resentment. Uh, Elizabeth Gilbert says, as smoking is to the lungs, so is resentment to the soul. Even one puff is bad for you. Resentment always turns into some kind of entitlement because resentment's basic belief is that there's a debt to be paid, a score to be settled. And when unmet needs go unmet, some kind of escape always occurs. I remember talking with a friend of mine a while back and she was telling me about her parents who had been married for over 30 years, but they were choosing to separate because her mom... 30-some years ago, felt obligated to give up her career when they had kids. And in those years, her dad overworked, and so 
She felt like she was alone in this solo parent and her resentment grew over those 30 years. And then she felt entitled to now go and have the life that she wanted to live. And she decided to escape the relationship. And one of the best ways to come back to the present with obligation is to stop saying yes to everything. Guess what? No is a complete sentence. Might be the only slide you need to see today. No, period. It's a complete sentence. Should says you have no choice, but in the present, you remember that love never operates out of obligation. Love is the overwhelming reality of a God who enables us to choose to live from a place of grace rather than obligation. So it's, it's not just worry. It's not just denial. It's not just pretending and it's not just obligation. Finally, one of the most common places we rehearse the future is through control. And I could literally teach days on days on days of seminars about control. Control is is taking authority to influence a specific outcome. And perhaps the most important word in that sentence is taking authority. Control wants what it wants and when it wants it, and it will do whatever it takes to get it. And it seems one of the most common themes that goes hand in hand with control is the invitation to wait. Because I don't know about you, but whenever I am waiting, I'm almost always trying to control how to get out of the waiting. But one of the most transforming gifts God gives to us when we wait is learning how to release our will. And every time I have found myself in a spiritual waiting room, the same questions always surface. Am I willing to loosen my tight grip of control? Am I willing to surrender to the unknown? Am I willing to trust that God is for me? Am I willing to let God do the job of God? Or or am I going to just keep applying for a job that isn't open? See, when God invites us to wait, he also invites us to release our will. And we can only release our will in the here and now. When we hold on to control, we rehearse the future, gripping tighter and tighter and tighter to my will versus God's will. It's why Jesus taught us to pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And as a active recovering control freak, I have had lots of practice in waiting and releasing control, like like lots. And this is still an ongoing work for me. And what I'm learning is that when I'm controlling, my vision actually becomes limited and narrow. 
But when I'm surrendered and at peace, living in the here and now, my hopes actually widen and become more abundant. And and the twist in seeking to control everything is that it actually leaves us feeling less in control. Surrender literally means to stop fighting. To stop fighting God, to stop fighting yourself, to stop fighting others. Surrender doesn't fight for all of the what ifs. It just welcomes what is. This very journey. In fact, even releasing these words into the world has been an ongoing surrender over and over and over. I have no control over what what happens with these words, who reads them, who's touched by them, who, who maybe doesn't like them. But to just release over and over and over. And, and friends, what I know to be true is that worry and denial, pretending and obligation and control, it always keeps you from the present moment. These are the ways we rehearse the future. We kind of walk around the present but we don't actually experience the peace and the presence of God. And this simple question, what's here now? It's just a way to come back into the present moment, to be here, to be fully you, and to belong to God, yourself, and the people he's put in your life. And as I've watched this radically changed my life. I've watched it change so many others. And it's really, really simple. I want to show you how easy it is to do. And so I've actually invited my friend Jeanette. Will you help me welcome her? Um, Hi, Jeanette. Hey. And Jeanette is going to show us. (laughs) You guys can say hi to Jeanette too. (laughs) Um, Jeanette's going to show us just how easy it is to practice presence. So I'm just going to invite you to close your eyes. Just take a deep breath. We're just going to practice what's here now. So I wonder if you just tell us, what are you sensing in your body, Jeanette? I sense in my body nervousness, obviously being up here, but also just excitement because as soon as I got this book I've been practicing being present so um, I'm excited to just show that practices mm. you know just coming to life of being here in the mm. now moment mm. and what are you feeling in your heart I feel gratitude in my heart um, mm. because practicing presence and being at Soul City I feel seen and every time I practice being present I feel seen by me and mm. seen by God and seen in this moment for what's going on now. So yeah. just a lot of gratitude for that. Yeah. And what are you thinking in your mind? I'm thinking about staying here at the moment, mm. not worrying about later <laughs> and kids' futures and what's going to happen tomorrow, but just stopping and like you just did closing my eyes and taking a, a really good deep breath with God. Mm. And just being here, nothing else, just that one moment. Mm. Thank you. So it's not like a, nothing about Jeanette's life, like just 
had a like breakthrough moment, right? <laughs> but she just got to practice presence. She got to, to be here, to be herself. And you know what's powerful about that is we experience belonging. I, I bet all of you had a connection to Jeanette, didn't you? And Jeanette had a connection to being seen in the presence of all of you and with God. And that's as simple as it is. <laughs> that, that's what, what here, what's here now is. It's just practicing being present, being here, being fully you, and belonging to God and yourself and one another. So will you help me thank Jeanette? <laughs> you know, whether you are rehashing the past or rehearsing the future, wherever you are. She just mentioned it, right? Thinking about kids' futures, thinking about what's happening later today, right? Wherever you are, you can always come back to the present at any time, anywhere. Because while we experience the peace of God in the present, Psalm 139.8 says, if I go up to the heavens, you're there. And if I make my bed in the depths, you are there. Friends, God is with you. God is with you. God is with you on the brightest days and the darkest nights. When life feels like heaven on earth or when life feels deep and hard, God is always present. And God longs for us to be present to his presence. And that's my hope and my prayer for you, that you will experience the peace of God in the presence of God. So I'd love to invite you to stand so that we can pray and, and fix our eyes on this good presence of Jesus. And so Jesus, we, we lovingly come, we lovingly come to simply ask what's here now, to practice being present with you, to taste your peace, to say thank you that we can never be apart from you, God, that you are with us, that you are for us, and therefore nothing can be against us. And so we love you, Jesus, and we fix our eyes on you, the author and the perfecter of our faith, and we come into this now moment to worship you and to adore you and to thank you and to experience the glory of your presence. It is in the name of Jesus that we all pray and say, amen.